Thank you, Rebecca. Well, this morning, I get the privilege of opening up the Psalms to you, which is great. Because as we start our summer song series, there's a psalm for every season of the soul. And this summer, we've got some amazing psalm to look at this month um, as a church family. And today we're starting with Psalm 8. So um, please open your Bibles um, if you haven't already done so today. It's, it's great to see God's word in front of us and, and to see with our own eyes and to discern what we hear. So please um, open your Bibles Um, if you have them with you. If you've got the church Bible, which is the black one, it's on page 386 in there. Um, Today, I've got some uh, picture slides. So there's a picture slide for each of the the points. That's just so you don't have to look at my face for 20 minutes. So there you go. You can look at the majesty of God's creation instead, which is what it's all about this morning. So I want you to think as we start... Uh, what's the most beautiful natural place that you've ever been in? Have you all thought of it? One of the most natural, uh, beautiful places I've been, although I live in Wales, which is great, um, is Zanzibar. It's a little island off uh, the coast of Africa. And it's absolutely amazing. It's such a beautiful place that... The sand is a white coral sand and, and the sea is a beautiful blue and the sky is a wonderful blue. Um, there's, there's hammocks hanging off the palm trees. It's absolutely beautiful. And when you're there, it's just amazing. The coral sand, because it's coral, it reflects the heat. So you don't burn your feet when you walk on it next to the sea, which is amazing. And the sea's a lovely, warm sea. You, ju- you can just relax there. and It's like being in a, a jacuzzi, a massive jacuzzi. It's amazing. And the psalmist here leaves us in no doubt about what this psalm is all about. All the praise for God here is, is in these two verses that we find at the beginning, verse 1, and at the end, verse 9. It says this, Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's all about the majesty of God. What do we mean by the majesty of God, though? Well, how can we sum up this great attribute? It's, majesty is a title that you would give to a reigning monarch or an emperor. It is more than that. It's, it's the sovereign power. It's the authority and dignity It's also greatness and splendor, and it is a quality of character. And at the end of verse 1, the psalmist tells us that God has set his glory in the heavens. And what does he mean by that? Well, look at the sky. The stars are a badge of God's glory. Verse 3 says this, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Isn't that amazing? We don't know for sure if it was David who wrote this psalm. Um, But I can imagine if it was, you could just see him looking up at the night sky. And as he looks after his sheep as a young shepherd boy, just marveling at the beauty and majesty of God's creation. 
There's lots of light in the city of Hong Kong, isn't there? Um, Lots of lovely, flashing, colourful lights. But that can make it hard to see the stars at night. But I wonder if you've ever been camping outdoors, maybe not in this sort of heat, um, or uh, or on a beach or on a mountain, where there hasn't been much light around you, there hasn't been any distractions, and you've been able to look up and see the wonderful stars in the sky on a clear night. Isn't it an amazing sight? Have you ever took a step back and just soaked that in? Back then, David wouldn't have had the Hong Kong Observatory or NASA pictures to see just how deep and how amazing it is. But if he would have, if he'd have been able to see, then he would just be in so much more awe of God's majesty than he was. That each one of those faraway lights was bigger than the blinding sun that gives us energy, that gives us um, light. That the universe was even bigger than anyone could imagine. God has created more stars than we can count, and each one contains more energy than we could measure. What power! What majesty! So our loving God reveals himself to us through the majesty of his creation. The beauty around us echoes his glory like the work of a master craftsman or, a, or an a, a immensely talented artist or sculptor. Yet everything that we see painted or sculpted beautifully by man is just a copy of the real thing, isn't it? Seeing a painted picture of a beach might make us think, hmm, that's, that's a, quite a good painting. Yeah, it looks good. That person's got talent. Seeing a well-painted picture of a sunset of an, on a beautiful beach makes us want to be there. We see the scene and it's well-painted and we think, yeah, I want to be there. It's almost like a, a photograph, maybe. But seeing an absolutely amazing painting of a sun-setting beach makes us feel for a second that we are there. For that brief second, we imagine we're there, and then we come to our senses and we realize, oh wait, it's, it's just a picture, it's just a, a painting. But that's what artists aim for, isn't it? That's what artists want us to feel. That that's the, their aim, to make us feel that we're there, even for a brief second. And that's all they can aim for. Why? Well, it's because even with an amazing copy of God's creation, it's just a copy. Feeling the sand and the warm water beneath your feet and watching the sun setting on the glistening sea with the sky and the reflection, all the colors changing and hearing the gentle roar of the sea pulling a billion grains of sand back across the beach. And as you breathe in the sea air and taste the salt on the cooling breeze, there's nothing like it. What do we do? We usually get out our camera phone or our camera, don't we? And we take a picture or a video to remember it, to remember that epic memory, to remember for that brief moment when we lived in the majesty of God's creation, a living, moving, delicately balanced taste of his glory, it's uncopyable. It's undeniable majesty of God, of his character, echoed 
in the works of his fingers, we see in verse 3. And it doesn't matter how good technology gets to trick the mind or anything else. You can't beat the real thing because God's creation is so complex. It's so rich. It's so diverse. This is the majesty of God. And I wonder, friends, if we stop and marvel at the glory of God shown to us when we see it. Do we praise him when we see something amazing? Do we point it out to others? Wow, look at that. Look what God's made. Look at that mountain. Look, look at that sunset. Look at that sunrise. Look at that beautiful beach. Do we point it out to others? Or do we take it for granted? Or do we just focus on, on getting a good picture for Facebook or a nice selfie? Do I look good in this picture? What about the creation in the background? Seeing God's creation should make us praise the creator, shouldn't it? The wonderful and majestic God. Then point two, the psalmist moves from the greatness of creation to the smallness of human beings. How can our God, who is so glorious, who's made all these wonderful things and is so big, give us a second thought? What's the point in us being here? We're just a few cells in the vast universe that God has created Human beings are so small in comparison to the majesty of his creation. Well, he goes on to answer the question, but let's look at it for a second here in verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, what is mankind that you are uh, mindful of them? But he doesn't leave it there. God doesn't just think about us. He cares for us as well. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. The God who made these billions of stars in the sky thinks and cares about you and me. He knows us by name. He knows the number of hairs on our heads, be that few or be it many. He knows everything that we've ever done. And he's the one who knits us together in our mother's womb. Although we are small, we are precious to God. In Genesis, uh, man and woman were the pinnacle of God's creation. Not only did he make us, but he made us in his image. So he wants his people to show his glory to others as they live in relationship with him. God loves little people like you and me so much because that is the majesty that he shows among us. We are precious to him. He made him, mankind, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. Our position of only slight inferiority here to the heavenly beings or even to God himself is most clearly seen in the rule that God has given us. He has given us a royal sovereignty. Isn't that amazing? To share in his majesty, crowning us with glory and honor, it says. And he delegates us to control his works In verse 6, the psalmist even says that God has put everything 
under mankind's feet. The psalmist is mainly talking about the animal creation here, both wild and domesticated animals, uh, birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, and all the other creatures in the ocean. And as scientific research has increased over the, over the years, over the past few years, um, the extent of our rule, the extent of our authority, of our dominion, and therefore our responsibility is ever increasing. As we understand more about the greater world and the responsibility of creation care, But as it clearly says in Hebrews 2 verse 8, we can see the world around us and at present mankind is not in fact Lord of creation, is he? And with everything under our feet, that's just not the case. Although we're made in the image of God, men are evil. And the relationship with God is broken, isn't it? And so we see God's beautiful creation being destroyed here. I don't know the last time you turned the news on, but the news is filled with acts of evil, of murder, of wars, tragic stories. So many people killed recently in plane crashes and war zones. It's tragic. And the news comes now with a warning. I don't know if you've seen that. There's usually a warning on the news that says, Uh, Warning, it contains scenes that viewers may find disturbing. This is the news. It's obvious to all of us that the world is not as it was intended to be, isn't it? Currently in the UK, the government has uh, tried or is trying to pass a bill which would legalize assisted dying. God gave us rule over the animal kingdom, not over mankind as well. Man is equal. So who are we meant to be? Uh, yeah, we, we, we who are meant to be crowned with glory and honor. We've fallen so far from that. Where does that leave us then before God in this vast creation that he's made? This majestic kingdom. Well, fortunately, we have Jesus, don't we? We have God's own son who came to earth as a man. Jesus succeeded where we all fail. He lived a perfect life, and even though he felt the things that we feel, he conquered. He overcame. He felt hungry. He felt thirsty. He was repeatedly tempted by sin, but he overcame. And because of that, he is crowned in his majesty. Jesus is the only one who can be crowned with majesty because he conquered death. And so his name is lifted high above every other name, the Bible tells us, that every knee will bow before him, before his majesty. We've sinned and we've fallen and we've lost some of the authority that God has given us. We're no longer able to rule over creation as we should. But in Jesus the second Adam. The authority and the dominion that was once ours has been redeemed by him. In dying, Jesus has made a way for us to be made clean, to end our slavery of sin. And he's defeated evil and death. Jesus has now been crowned and exalted to God's right hand. 
He's the ruler of the universe. He rules, as the psalmist describes, that we are all meant to be ruling. But it applies to us also, if we have come by faith, to share in his praise and in his exaltation. By God's grace and by his power, we who, be- who believe in him can be raised from death and the death of sin and lifted up in Christ to the heavenly realms to share in the victory of Jesus, to share in that authority, in that majesty. And what does this mean for us then? Jesus' death and resurrection means that we're freed from this slavery. We're freed from this bondage and that we can live in relationship with God, our Father, the one who's made this wonderful, majestic creation. Yet we're not perfect, but he brought us forgiveness and sent his spirit to help us. We have the Holy Spirit. How, how can we live otherwise? Well, we live in a way that shows others God's glory, don't we, through his spirit. And as we think about what this looks like in our life, how do we show others God's majesty? How do we show who he is? We think about work, about school, about where we are. How often do we see God's glory? And how often do we take that, that second in our day to soak it up, to see, to see him for who he is? So often in our busy lives, we, we get caught up in the things of the day, don't we? I have to do this, I have to do that. We don't have time to stop and just be in awe of God, do we? But we should. We should. What about the great responsibility then that we have to look after God's creation? Is that something that we take seriously? Yeah, the world is in bondage to decay and, God, and Jesus will make all things new, but do we care for his creation now? Isn't that one of the jobs he's given us to do? Um, this isn't practical for the summer months, but do we drive when we could walk? Do we care about what goes into the trash or the garbage or the waste, whatever you want to call it? The, there's a new scheme by the government, isn't there, where they're, they're introducing a, a new pilot scheme where you have to pay for the amount of things that you throw away, the amount of waste that you throw away. That would be quite interesting. So although things will not be perfect now and we will continue to turn the news on and to see and hear more tragic news, we know that Jesus will come back one day in his majesty, crowned in glory. And he's exalted far above all rule and authority and that when he returns, his enemies will concede defeat. They'll surrender to him when he appears in his glory. The dead will rise, and in his authority and power, he will reign. Isn't that amazing? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 to 26 tells us that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus has given us a future for when he returns. And when he does, his people will be raised up with him, crowned in glory and honor and share in his sovereign rule. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's definitely something to look forward to. And as we close today, I think 
it's only fitting to end in, in this way as we think of what God has done for us. Although we're not worthy, let's end with this verse 9. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.